Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Thrive Deeper. It is I, DJ Payne, your humble host here. And on behalf of Matt Jacoby and the team, we are so excited. This episode begins our transition into a new edition of Thrive Deeper and also a brand new study into the book of Proverbs. It's going to get deep. We're going to be talking a lot about wisdom and we're going to go all throughout history here. This is going to be so exciting. So make sure you've got your edition of Thrive Deeper with you. You've got your Bible. Grab a pen and a paper. You want to get into this next episode. So after the break, Matt and I get into the introduction to the book of Proverbs. Matt, you're back from your Israel trip. Mm, apparently. Well, your body still thinks it's over there. Yeah, my body does. <laughs> uh, it's about halfway. I think my body's in Yemen, maybe. It's slowly coming back. <laughs> yeah. uh, how long were you in Israel for? Uh, look, probably just under a couple of weeks in Israel. We actually started in Jordan, uh, went to Petra, which is seriously the most amazing place I've ever been uh, in Jordan, then did... Um, uh, sort of week or so in Israel, and then uh, actually went to Istanbul with just with Jeremiah, my son. Wow. Okay, so yeah. you took your son over there. Yeah. He's thirteen. He's thirteen. Yeah. So he went for the whole trip. He went for the whole trip. Yeah. And then an extra yeah. how many days in in Istanbul? Well, we had five. We had five days. Uh, just father and son. Just father and son roaming, uh, roaming Istanbul. It was a bit of a mission because he's he's interested in. Uh, Byzantine history and the Byzantine Istanbul, of course, used of to course be. Of course, he is. As every thirteen-year-old Constantinople. Son. I remember my stage. I remember my thirteen-year-old <laughs> anyway. Byzantine stage. Yeah. Remember? Oh, well, he, he read a book. Uh, he read a book that just really captured his imagination with the story. Awesome. Of the like those last remnants of Rome, and you know, because he loves the you know the ancient world and the military and the, mm-hmm. all that old school sort of stuff, and so. Um, he, he read this. He st- actually started reading a book on Byzantine history, and I said to him because it was a big book, and I said, "If you finish that, I'll take you there." And he actually ended up reading it twice. Wow! And he was like, when we got there, he was like my guide. He was like, he really he had the place because partly because he studied. I mean, this is modern travel. Like he studied Google Maps. Yes. You know, went like you know, zoom in, study yeah. all the streets. Also, watch YouTubers. Like there are YouTubers yeah. who. First time in Istanbul, this is what you do. You walk around with a selfie stick and a a GoPro. Away um, they go. And away they go and they walk through the streets of cities and and that's how they make their living. (laughs) And so he got onto one of those YouTubers, which is a whole lot better than the YouTubers that just play games (laughs) who are huge that he normally watches. Well, it's almost, uh, you know, playing games in real life, you know, instead of that. Almost, yeah. (laughs) Running through the virtual world. that's, That's awesome. Yeah. So, highlight of the trip? Um, I know I should say one of the biblical sites, yeah. but I would say Petra. Yeah. Yeah, Petra in Jordan, which is this city built into the mountains, which is just the most amazing, surreal thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the history of that? It's well, the, it was it, the Nabataean, it was the Nabataean kingdom. Um, 
sort of at its height actually around the time of Christ. And the Nabataeans actually they they were quite involved with the with the history of the Jews, um, uh, sort of around the time when the Romans took over the the region. Yes. Um, so uh, they, they um, yeah, they they had quite a bit to do with the history of Israel then. But you know the Nabataeans with this enormously wealthy uh, kingdom, uh, you know, that controlled these trade routes and uh, they were. A sort of a conglomeration of Arab tribes that created this, you know, this amazing kingdom there in the mountains and yeah. and lived in the mountains and build these amazing water systems. And it's just... How, and how far away from Jerusalem is it? Oh, well, it's... Um, I mean, Petra, you could drive from Petra. Well, it, I mean, as the crow flies, not very far, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, in a car, if you could go straight, you'd be in Jerusalem in probably two or three hours okay. uh, from Petra. But, of course, there's only three entry points into Israel from Jordan. Yeah. Um, one's at the bottom, one's in the middle, and one's right at the top. So, um, yeah, it was a good – and that was the first day. And, and I, <laughs> so so yeah, it was all downhill from I, there. I know. I, I said to – because I'd, I'd sort of done the rest, and I said to the um, to the group that I took, I said, well, it's <laughs> – it's all downhill from here, folks. Wow. As far um, as visually what you can Oh, yeah, see. as far as visually. But then, you know, the biblical sites. Um, yeah. You know, like, for example, going to the place where Jeroboam's altar is, where he set up the golden calves. Yeah. I mean, it's still there. The altar and the, you know, the, it's all there still. Amazing. Uh, you know, still set up and, you know, it's partly a ruin, but, you know, you can see where the altar was and where the stairs go up to where the golden calves were and, and it's just it just makes it all three dimensional. It's amazing. I, I have heard from a couple of different people uh, that um, you know the same story from a handful of people, and I'm yep. sure it's a it's going to be a stuff of legend soon. Yeah, they're, they're at a particular uh, you know ruined uh, you know site you know where yep. there was roped off and viewing points and access where you can view. And people were saying, okay, this is where you stand to watch this and everything like that. Yeah. Every, everyone was very respectful. And then the group turned around and apparently Jeremiah was standing in the middle of all the all the ruins, like looking through everything, walking across it all. Is this now is there any truth to this rumor? There might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. That's too good. Uh, um, okay, well, let's transition out of that. We are we are getting into the book of Proverbs. We are, we are. in a brand new uh, Thrive edition. Uh, for February to April 2019, and uh, we have just spent the first week uh, going through uh, the book of uh, the first few chapters of the book of Proverbs. Mm. And um, so, as we enter into this period, I think it'd be great to do a bit of an overview yeah. of uh, you know as as we finished everything up, you know we've finished the history of the Jews out mm. of exile coming back, yeah. all the story about them returning, <laughs> yeah. We've looked at the intertestamental period, you know, yeah. spent a long time going through yeah. the history of that. And now we jump back. We jump back, which may, you know, in, in one sense, it, it'd be nice to go on and straight away read, say, the Gospel of Matthew. That's yeah. actually follows really well on from. Um, uh, but, you know, hold on to that anticipation <laughs> uh, because. Um, uh, it's actually the, the, the wisdom literature is some of the last sort of parts of the scriptures we have it to be edited and put together. Yes. Um, so uh, that is in its final uh, – it was all written way before. Yes, yes. Uh, but, you know, the final sort of edit of the wisdom literature, which is Ecclesiastic, you know, Proverbs and Job, 
um, you know, is, is edited in the Persian period, okay. maybe even in the Greek period. Wow. Uh, at some point, so, um, so yeah, it kind of belongs to this period. In, in some sense, it belongs yes. to this period. Okay. Though, uh, the, though the sources that they're amalgamating together, yeah. uh, you know, from a previous, you know. Five hundred thousand yeah, right. years, you know, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So this this is ancient wisdom literature. Now you talk about this section of the Bible, uh, you know, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, mm. as the wisdom literature. Yeah. These three books. Yeah. So for the, in the bookshelf of of the Old Testament or the bookshelf yeah. of the Bible, the wisdom category yeah. is these three three That's books. Right. You could possibly some people might add the Psalms to yes. that, and and even the Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the strictly speaking, the wisdom books are those three. And where would you put, since you mentioned them, Psalms and Song of Solomon, they would sort of overlap into a bit more of a poetry or yeah, worship right. or yeah, song. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. yeah, a bit more of that yeah. artistic type of style where this is purely about wisdom. Yeah. Give us a, before we hone in on Proverbs, give us a bit of a difference of these. What do you think of when you th- think of these three books? Because I think they're incredibly different they in the way they different. present, oh, present yeah, wisdom. They're very different, yeah. Um, they are uh, – well, the Proverbs have this they're, – they're these short little axioms, you know, tools to, to teach people, little nutshell um, things on how to live life. And so the um, – uh, the wisdom literature is really dealing with the issues of life and how we live our lives, you know. So uh, Proverbs covers all of the different things, you know, uh, work, relationships, uh, sex, money, like all, all, of the different, uh, all of the different sort of things that we encounter in our lives. And it gives us wisdom for how to navigate through, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have these other two books Ecclesiastes and in and the Book of Job, which are absolutely different to anything else, and you actually you actually need to read them in a different way uh, to to other books. I mean, uh, Ecclesiastes is this you know life is meaningless really uh, in in and of itself, mm-hmm. as apart from God. There's mm-hmm. this meaninglessness that life threatens, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, Apart from God, and uh, and that's you know that's a really the, the sense of meaning and meaninglessness is a really important sort of issue in life, so an overarching issue. And then of course Job deals with the whole issue of suffering mm. uh, and and the justice of God, and uh, so um, so these are real life issues, and and wisdom literature is dealing with those sorts of things. I, I've one, I've heard it described a few times uh, with these three books that we that the. In the wisdom books, you know, that Proverbs is like this idyllic, amazing, beautiful, mm. glorious painting of, of, you know, the best of the best. Yeah. You know, yeah. ideal, idealistic. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have Ecclesiastes, which is written, you know, the yeah. same thing through the filter of a cynic. Yeah, that's right. You know, through the filter of someone who yeah. is who is done and seen it all yeah. Yeah. and proven it to be, you know, uh, you know, true in some aspects yeah. and problems in others, yeah. and just as critical of everything. And then Job is a story that sort of illustrates it all. Yeah, you know, yeah, type of right. thing through through this zoomed out, you know, yeah, view yeah. of everything. Yeah. Um, and you and I think you need the you need the three of yeah, them together. Right. Yeah, because do, yeah. Uh, reading Proverbs by itself mm. could really set you up for a fall. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I remember having that same thought when I first, you know, much. This is going back a long time. I think it was much to your poking mm. when I first got into uh, the works of, uh, and I'm, and I'm no, no scholar <laughs> like yourself. The works of Soren Kierkegaard. Yeah, because he wrote books with a different filter. Yeah. And if I didn't understand what the persona of yeah. the person who was writing, yeah. it was really confusing. Yeah, that's right. And I feel the same way a little bit a when little I bit go like that. Yeah. when I go into these wisdom books. I need to know the persona of the person who's writing. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very true of Ecclesiastes. It's like this perspective. Yeah. And you need to take that perspective to to understand that. And but even in Job, the fact that we're hearing. People, Job's friends talk yeah. and give their idea of wisdom. This ancient yeah, right. yeah, so worldview perspective as well. Yeah, I need to know what that guy is thinking because in the end, God comes along and yeah. really says, That's right. "These guys are giving you the wrong." Because their wrong. perspective gets a lot of space. Yeah, exactly. And you're wondering, is this being advocated? Yes. Or? And it's not really until right at the end that you, because you, you find yourself saying, "Yeah." Yeah, that's right. Like they are really convincing you. Yeah. And then you only find out right at the end of Job oh, that that was wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you're right because um, for, for the, just for the sake of our listener, listeners, I mean, Kierkegaard wrote his philosophy, but he used pseudonyms. He used characters. Yeah. And so he would attribute the book would be written by Johannes Climacus. And so this, this non-Christian would be writing this book. Uh, about the about his struggle to become a Christian, so you know it's amazing. He, he used these different personas, uh, and you had to sort of understand those personas to understand the book. Mm. But yeah, it's it, it is like that in some senses. The wisdom literature, mm. yeah. Excited to get, uh, you know, that's the bigger picture there. And as we zoom in on the book of Proverbs over the next few weeks, uh, I'm I'm so excited to get stuck into it because there's so much Ooh. in these books. Yeah, so many different ways we can we can we can skin a cat there. So so let's give us the overview. Some people go, okay, the book of Proverbs written yep. by King Solomon. Um, you know, back in King Solomon's day, and you know that's the book of Proverbs that we have. But it's a lot different to that. Yeah, well, it's it's not just even King Solomon. Solomon's proverbs make up the most part, but mm. there are the sayings of the wise. So the the um, the book is actually comes in sections, really, and there are seven different sections mm. actually in this book. Good old number seven. Um, so there's the first collection is the proverb, and and actually it says at the beginning it says, you know, the following is the. And so, for example, in 1 verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it has, um, and that has 375 sort of aphorisms. Um, now, the interesting thing, if I just, this is just a little incidental yeah. detail. It says, uh, This is the, uh, the, the, the Proverbs, this is how it's about, Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, you know, 
how in Hebrew they were very interested in numerics mm -hmm. and the numbers associated with names. Each mm -hmm. name had a number. I mean, that comes up in uh, Revelation mm -hmm. where it talks about the number of the name of the beast mm -hmm. and then his number is 666, you know, so calculate the number mm. and that turns out to be uh, his name. So, um, uh, you know, names had numeric value and, and the name Solomon in Hebrew has the numeric value 375. Wow. Um, and what follows a 375-sentence <laughs> uh, aphorism. So, uh, now, define aphorisms. Uh, so an, an aphorism is a, is a short, uh, pithy little saying. It's yeah. a proverb, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh, I just want to... Yeah, 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 that's I know right, someone's yeah. sitting there going, okay, I've got to look up yeah. aphorisms. But it's not, they're not just uh, isolated things because, um, because the first part of the book, uh, the, the first few chapters actually... Um, uh, are actually not written in those individual statements. That they're a bit longer sections, yeah. but there are distinct sort of sentences in each one. Yes. Um, so, so uh, it's a, there's a lot of different so, styles in the book. Yeah, as that's well. right. So, so you have so there's the first section is the Proverbs of Solomon, and then um, uh, you've got the you've got the second. There's two sections of the Proverbs of Solomon, um, uh, and then in. 20, chapter 22, we're introduced to 30 sayings of the wise. It's just sayings of the wise. And who are these wise men? Well, I mean, we don't really know. Um, they've, they've obviously been gathered. Uh, there, there was What we do know is, a, is in the ancient world at that time, yeah. there was a strong tradition of wisdom literature. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, you know, they've found Egyptian wisdom literature, for example. Yeah. And so the sayings of the wise could have been drawn from all over the place. Yeah. Just because Solomon, if you imagine, you know, Solomon is a real scholar, you know, and, and he, he also, remember, he was married to an Egyptian princess mm -hmm. and he had, he did a lot of trade internationally, yeah. like far and wide. Yeah. So it, I think it makes sense that he would have collected wisdom. Yeah. Oh, well, we wherever see, he went. Well, we see that very, very clearly. And when we go through his life in Kings, you know, it talks about his endeavours, yeah. talks about his scientific pursuits. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. Talk about his cataloging yeah. and his, and you know, his real like yeah. this man of science. You know, we also have him dealing with all the then known world. Yeah, intermingling with that. But then Ecclesiastes, we see from the end of his life. Yeah. He says, yeah, I pursued wisdom as far as it could be pursued yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. And that would have to include... Yeah, that's right. ...reading yeah, yeah. other things yeah, that's and, right. and, and amalgamating, amalgamating it in. Yeah, that's right. So I, so this, I think it I think it's makes sense that the sayings of the wise is just collected aphorisms, things mm. that he's collected uh, from all over the, the known world. Then you've got in 24, the further sayings of the wise. I don't yeah. know why it's divided. I think, <laughs> I think it's divided up maybe to get the seven. I'm not sure. And then in, in 25, chapter 25, you've got more Proverbs of Solomon. Yes. And then in, in chapter 30, you've got the sayings of Agur, son of Jacke. Yeah. Jacke, or I'm yeah. not sure uh, how to pronounce that name. Uh, and we don't really know who this uh, who this guy is. I mean, he may have been someone um, in uh, the court, like a court official. Yes. Um, he's certainly not a king because he upholds dynastic succession in, in uh, chapter 30, verse 22. Um, you know, he speaks about, you know, dynasty and, and then in 31 about 
verse 31 about strong kingship and he cautions his son not to play the fool in exalting himself. And so it doesn't sound like he's a king. No, no. He's probably either a courtier or or maybe just one of these wise men who is particularly notable. So we're not sure. Then you've got the, um, uh, from chapter 31, you've got the sayings of King Lemuel. And again, (laughs) we have no idea who this Lemuel uh, is. It's possible that that this figure was associated with um, uh, with a Arabian king, maybe. Yes. Yep. Um, so again, this is most likely one of these people that Solomon came in contact with, yeah. and whose aphorisms he collects, at least part of. Yeah. Um, you know, he puts his stamp of approval on those, and they're included in this collection. So it's really interesting. This is a classic example of, because remember, you know, this is all part of scripture. Yeah. Uh, this is why this is interesting to me. So Nicholas Walterstorff wrote a very now very famous book called Divine Discourse, which is in its subtitle is Philosophical Reflections on the Idea that God Speaks, right? And he talks about- We, we are we're very yeah, familiar anyway, with it. Yeah, we're, and, and he talks, and, and in that, Walterstorff talks about different kinds of divine discourse, you know? Yeah. So for example, there's dictated discourse, which is prophetic. You know, thus says the Lord, Bam. write down what I say. Moses as well. Moses, write down the things that I say. But there's also um, there's also deputized. Walterstorff also speaks of deputized discourse, where someone is um, authorized to kind of speak in God's name into a situation. I mean, maybe you know, like perhaps one of the inspired editors of. Uh, this is all under the inspiration of the Spirit, yes. of course. Uh, the inspired editors, editors of Joshua through to Kings. You know yes. that there's like that person is deputized and authorized to, and and under the inspiration of the Spirit to do that. But it's not like dictated like no. the prophets. Then, then I mean the other category that, and there are others too. But the other category um, that uh, Walter Storff uh, speaks about is. Um, what's called appropriated, what he calls appropriated discourse. Okay. And this is where, uh, this is a classic example of this, where wisdom comes from really the pagan world, yeah. but it's true, right? So yeah. it's appropriated and made part of scripture because it's a particularly good way of stating certain things that are absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, oh, man, we could go right down that pathway yeah, yeah. right now. I know I, I, I love this because uh, right at the beginning of the book, we see we first get introduced to Solomon, and then we get introduced to the character herself. Yeah, and it's a reoccurring character yeah. of wisdom. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Actually, wisdom is personified. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I you know I think too much can be made of that. Yes. Um, but uh, there's this idea of wisdom calls out. You know, in in one sense. Um, while I think that that you know too much can be made of that you know a spirit of wisdom or, yes. or something like that. Yes. <laughs> Nevertheless, we need to remember that that Jesus is referred to as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and um, and the Word by God's Spirit is comes into our hearts. Mm. You know, so that we uh, we have as um, uh, Ezekiel puts it in Ezekiel chapter 36, we have the law of God or the word of God written on our hearts, you mm. know. So, and that is in the in the person of the Holy Spirit. So mm. not not the force or that we speak, we think of the Holy Spirit as the person of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And through him, we have this 
intimate connection with wisdom, mm. wisdom personified in our in our hearts. And so this, and I mean, the interesting thing though in the Proverbs is, is that uh, pro- that the that wisdom is personified as as a woman, as a you know that calls out, yeah, and uh, as a desirable woman, even. And th- and then again, this is in the context we've got to understand that at the beginning, mm. Solomon is setting up this whole beginning part yeah. as my sons, yeah. my young men, yeah. listen to me. Yeah, I need you to understand all this stuff that I'm going yeah. to tell you. And he, knowing his audience, yeah. says, "I know you're after a woman." Yeah, let me tell you about yeah. wisdom, and I and I love that aspect of it, the, the way of thinking about it. That, but the other aspect about how wisdom presents itself right from the beginning is that it's like the law of gravity. Yeah, I am I am the moral fiber of the universe. Yeah, here for you to tap into yeah. if you want to, and I think that goes to say to bring yeah. it all all back wherever you are, whoever you are, no matter what you believe, yeah. if you if you're open to there is a moral universe. Yeah. People can tap into That's right. that wisdom. There's an interesting connection with that in in the uh, in the Greek world, in, in ancient Greek philosophy. There is this idea, and this this is going to connect with John one one that I just quoted from. There was this idea of uh, of the logos uh, because they they recognised that the the Greek philosophers uh, from the time in Th- uh, from the time of Thales, who's when is Thales at like 500 or so uh, BC? Um, uh, you know, philosophers like uh, Parmenides and, and and others, and Plato and 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 the Stoics, particularly actually the Stoic philosophy philosophers who are really in their heyday are actually around the time of Christ and Paul. And, yeah, um, they they recognised this rational principle in everything you know they looked at the world that the the way the world and the way it works and this wonderful sense of cause and effect of calculability of predictability this sort of rational principle like there was a mind at work in everything mm. uh, a, a sort of a principle of wisdom that's how they referred to it this there is like wisdom in everything and they felt that you could study nature yeah and draw wisdom from nature. Like you could look at the way that things work in nature and actually draw principles for your life. Yeah. Um, and they're, and ab- they're about 500 years after that's Solomon. That's right, Solomon, Solomon because Solomon was, was yes, doing that. Exactly. It's, it's exactly what Solomon was doing, exactly. right? <laughs> Observing the things yeah. of nature and seeing this, the way that things work, that mm. there is this way, that there is this wisdom, this principle of wisdom in everything. Mm. Now, they referred to this as the logos. Yeah. Uh, because they saw it as this kind of divine mind in everything. Now, the way that the, the, the Greek Stoics thought about it was more in pantheistic sort of terms, like God. So, so they started to believe that God is the universe. You know, mm, that's mm, pantheism. Mm. But interestingly, uh, John in his gospel takes this idea actually, which it's it's funny because it's it's an idea that he takes from Greek philosophy, but in in a sense. Greek philosophy is really agreeing in that sense already with Solomon. And so John in John 1 1 says, In the beginning was, when he says the word, the word that in Greek there is logos, in mm. the beginning was mm. the logos. And it's such a rich reference because there is 500 years of philosophy going on behind that that defines this idea of the logos. And, and John says, This rational principle, this principle of wisdom, 
was with God in the beginning. He personifies this and he has been made flesh and he has lived among us. It's it, just a oh, rich It's rich amazing. Idea. It's deep. Yeah. It, it's not only deep, it's like it's that principle, it's that principle that Paul talks about where the very nature of God mm. is around us. Yeah. And you have no, there is no excuse. Yeah. So in in in, um, in Romans, uh, Romans one, I think around nineteen or, um, yeah, he talks about uh, they are without excuse because the because the nature of God is is seen in the things that are made. Yeah. Yeah. This and 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 in that you know he is, I, you know I think there Paul is drawing on his philosophical education uh, because of course Paul Paul or Saul his Hebrew name is from. Tarsus and Tarsus was actually a center of Stoicism, one of the three main centers, probably the main center of Stoicism. So he was, you know, he, he would have been certainly had a Jewish education, but we, uh, you know, but he, we can certainly see a philosophical um, uh, sort of sophistication to, yeah. to his writing. And that, that sort of idea is a classic. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, of course, we see in Acts 17 when he gives that talk to the Europicus, to the philosophers yeah. in Athens, but we also see it there yeah. where, where he refers to the, the nature of God being seen in the things that are made. And so this is a kind of a reference to that principle of the logos, which, as we're saying, even though it was in Greek philosophy, yet in a quite a remarkable way, mm. uh, goes right back to Solomon, who, who, who sees this principle of wisdom mm. in all things, crying out and mm. begging for people to heed her voice. Yeah. And and the fact, you know, I, I mentioned that, that she cries out as a young woman. Yeah. And I think this is important in, in these chapters, particularly in the early chapters, because on the one hand, you've got wisdom crying out and, and Solomon saying to his son, get wisdom, though it cost you all that you have. Get wisdom, and then contrast that with the uh, the words about the adulteress or, or the prostitute who calls out from the cre- from the street corners, yeah. who is also going to cost all that you have. Yeah, but she will leave you ruined. Ruined. Yes, yeah, that's right. Who she is also going to cost mm. uh, all that you have, but she will ruin you and take away your life. Yeah. Whereas this other woman, wisdom, she will impart life to you. I mean, it's just. There's such a beauty in yes. in the way that this works in these first nine chapters, yeah. which is you know before we start with the individual aphorisms yes. in chapter yes. ten, you get these nine chapters. These more narrative, not narratives, but there's sort of yeah. stories about well, it. Well, it's very poetic. Yes, it's very poetic where you have wisdom personified as a young woman who calls out, mm. and 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 Solomon saying, "Get wisdom, though it costs you all that you have. She is more desirable above all, you know, above all things in the world." And then contrasting that with. Uh, with the uh, with the woman who calls out from the corner of the streets, who in some ways I think is, I mean, we, we can certainly take that literally, yes. but I think in that context she stands for vice, foolishness, of course, uh, injustice. Yeah. She kind of stands for all of those things. And it, and it, and, it, and for me, reading it again this time, it painted a picture of almost like. Like the the universe was made up of of fiber or string or yeah. whatever would you want to imagine it rubber bands anything like that, and there's a natural pull yeah towards wisdom and God yeah that's made right. in everything but then the pull within our hearts yeah wants to break yeah. that yeah that's right and go around and so 
he's talking to this pull, push and pull we have our own, own hearts yeah. to go towards the way that the whole universe is made yeah. to take us on to yeah. seeing him. Or yeah. do we refuse to see that? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and go our own way. I couldn't I couldn't also help but think and you know jump to one of the last books that we have in the Bible in, in the New Testament. Uh, in James, where mm. James talks a lot about wisdom yeah, again, does. and there's some great overlays. Uh, James really is the wisdom book of the New Testament, exactly. In many ways, yeah, and he sums it up so simply, you know, where it it talks like the different relationship mm. we have in Christ now, where he says, "Listen, you lack wisdom, just ask." Yeah, and 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 you have right, it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so like, yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful on the back of Proverbs. Yeah. That now in this new relationship yeah. we have we have this openness to get yeah. it. I had this 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 really captured me. I, if at a personal level, these early chapters in um, in Proverbs actually have had a really central place in my life. I mean, I I, I read these verses, you know, in my early twenties, and I was studying theology at the time, and you know, I was struggling a bit to do the whole academic thing. I just, I was just struggling academically. And, and there were points at which I thought, I just, I'm going to give up because I, I just can't do this. I'm not academically, or I just, you know, just not oriented for this. And, and, and I, and I read the, these, these words, um, uh, at, at, and at the time, you know, I used to keep a prayer diary and I'd write down the things that I, that I prayed for. And, and, you know, I read, get wisdom, that it cost you all that you have. And, I, and that, those words in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, you know, let him ask. And I thought, well, that's me. <laughs> uh, as well, you know, as well as just feeling like the stupidest, you know, making all the mistakes that a 20-year-old makes and, yeah. tw- you know, young man in his 20s makes. And um, and I uh, I just started praying for this. I had to pray for wisdom, pray for wisdom. And, like, I, I, I used to look back in my in that prayer diary. It's like wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. It's just like this craving for wisdom. And 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 I remember I remember when I and I, and I passed and I remember part, just getting through my theological degree. And it, you know, at the end, I, I did really I did really well. You mm. know, and um, and I remember this sense of God has you know God has answered my prayers and. Um, and I was so thankful for that. And then I and then I started. Uh, I, I became interested in philosophy, you know, uh, in, in the process. And because you know, the word philosophy in Greek means love of wisdom, mm. and that you know that sort of really really captured me. And so I went uh, I went and did a graduate degree in philosophy, and then I went to do uh, like the, a sort of honors level. And I remember at the beginning of my honors level, I. Uh, I, I picked up. You, you mentioned Kierkegaard before. I picked up this book uh, on Kierkegaard. And it's called the book's called. It's a really big, dense book called "Concluding Unscientific Postscript to Philosophical Fragments." Of course. And, and I started. I you know, you know, started reading this book, and and I, and I just got stuck. I, I honestly did not understand a word that this guy was saying. It was yeah. it was so complex, right? And and I, and I. Remember, I, even it's one of those moments I remember where I was. You know, I was living yeah. in Bowen Heads at the time, and and I'm just getting so frustrated, right? And because I really felt like I wanted to do this, there was something about his work that really captured my imagination, and I'd committed to it anyway. And you know, I felt like you know God had really given me the go ahead to keep on studying, but I felt I was just hit, hitting a wall. Yeah. I think I can't. I literally can't do this. You yeah. Know? And 
And I, I remember putting the book down. I went downstairs into the courtyard and I just had this classic psalm-like argument with God, you know, and, and really had it out. I, I have prayed for years and years for you to give me wisdom. And I said, there are like godless, you know, uh, like faculty at this university who get this stuff and understand this. And what about me, God? What about, you know, and I just really, uh, I really had it out with God. And, you know, there's this moment of silence, you know, I'm Okay, <laughs> I can imagine, and and I just sort of sat down and 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 you know, part of me, you know, probably thought, oh well, I'll, you know, and 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 I mean, I couldn't do anything else but go up and mm. and and I sat down and I opened the book and I pulled out a notepad and I looked at these words and I started reading down that page and I just got it. Yeah, I just got it. Yeah. And I kept reading, and I'm scribbling notes away at a hundred miles an hour, and and I and you know, and I wrote this, and I wrote this honors thesis that, you know, not only did I get the H1 for that, but actually got some of it published in a journal, International Philosophy of Religion journal, that then got me the best scholarship that you can get to go and do my PhD at <laughs> Melbourne University. So yeah. it was like this this moment for me of breakthrough. Of, of breakthrough, but it always, you know, whenever, because there was always, uh, it was always a point in my studies as I, as I went on and even just being involved in academia where I've thought, you know, I'll look at me, look how smart I am, you know, just being the absolute smart aleck, you know, and, and th- this experience has always comes to mind. It's like God says, don't you forget. Yeah. <laughs> don't you forget. It's like yeah. this this reminding me of that James experience, you know, yeah. that he talks about, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will give. And it's like God continually continually reminds me that I've been equipped for a purpose to do this and this and this. And uh, because really when it comes down to it, I'm really not that smart. <laughs> it's like I really, you yeah. know, uh, I, 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 I'm really quite stupid. And, and, uh, and, and what, what I, you know, what God has given me is given me to be equipped to do a certain thing. And actually that's a wonderful, uh, th- that's a wonderful reminder to me. All that to say that I, I feel like I have this, this really strong personal connection with these words. I mean, yeah. every time I read the words in Proverbs about get wisdom, get wisdom, I think, oh, man, like God I've, has I've been this, so faithful. Yeah, this is my you know, And I still need wisdom. You know, I can just be such an idiot, you know, but uh, it's by the grace of God yeah. that, that I, I've gotten to where I am. That is an awesome – That what, what a great way to set up uh, this ongoing study in the Proverbs, <laughs> your personal testimony there. Now, listen, we've, we've got literally a few minutes left of this episode. Yeah. The central theme of the book of Proverbs yeah. is summed up right at the beginning, yeah. and it is – you know, echoed again and again and yep. again. The fear of the Lord yeah. is the beginning of wisdom or yep. the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. Define that for us because I'll give you a current, you know, yeah. that, that verse is still being wrestled today mm. by great, and depending on your opinion, not so great minds, just recently, Kanye West. Yes, that Kanye West, the rapper <laughs> married to Kim Kardashian, tweeted out that verse. Right. And said, I don't know about this verse. I'm struggling with this verse because doesn't the Bible teach that perfect love casts out fear? God right. is love. How am I supposed to fear? And he went on a public thinking out loud over Twitter. Wow. Over many tweets about these Bible verses that he's wrestling with. Wow. And I'm like, wow, this ancient book of wisdom. 
yeah. is still being wrestled with people yeah. who are seeking the truth. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I disavow any, yeah. I'm not putting a stamp of approval on any celebrity figure or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. My point is the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge and those two things is a hard thing yeah. for a lot of people to get into. Yeah. <clears throat> um, look, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a short uh, a short. Uh, answer and, and there's obviously a lot more that can be said about this, but the fear of the Lord really is a consciousness of the absolute transcendent greatness of God. It's like awe, and and th- this sense in in the face of who God is that you just don't mess with. Like if God tells you to do something, like. Don't you dare go against that. And, and the reason why that's important is because, you know, we, we fear lots of things in life. You know, we're afraid of being looked down upon by people and we're afraid of... And actually, God wants to deliver us from fear completely. But he wants to say, the only thing you should fear is going against me, really. Hmm. That's the only legitimate thing that we should fear when we walk with God is not walking with God. Uh, and and uh, so, for example, Moses says to Israel, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord will keep you from sinning. Yes. You know, it's this respect for who God is and the fact that God is the ultimate judge, um, that your respect and your awe and your um, fear of going against the ultimate judge yeah. actually will will switch on an important internal guidance machine. Mm. You know, it, it'll mm. it'll kind of activate our internal compass. Yeah. Because we because uh, we care about that more than we care about anything else. I mean the reason why we go why we stray to the left and the right and we go off track, which we all do, is because at that point we care more about that thing than we do about how we're regarded by God, the fear of the Lord, yeah, yeah we're, we're you know, and by what God thinks. So, and, and of course, God is gracious and and He forgives us. And so, in that sense, um, it, it's not like scary. Oh, we, sh- you know, God is really scary and mean. No, it's God is the opposite. Uh, and yet, at the same time, that there there is this respect that is needed for who God is in His absolute transcendent greatness. Mm. And that consciousness of God is like the root of all wisdom. It's mm. like begin with God. Wisdom begins with an understanding of the ultimate greatness and transcendence of God. That's where it. it all begins. Uh, the, and again, the New Testament way, this is a different way. Tell me if I'm wrong, Matt. Tell me what you think about this. As I was really, because I was talking about this with my three yeah. sons, and they were asking a lot of questions about yeah. it. I'm trying to, you know, again, asking yeah. God for wisdom as I'm trying yeah. to explain wisdom yeah. to to my boys. And one of my favorite verses springs to mind because it always springs to mind, and that's Hebrews eleven six, which talks about how we are to come to God. And for the, you know, for, if you, yeah. and it's basically setting up the the rule there, yeah. the, you know, the rule there. If you want to draw near to God, you must believe that He exists. Yeah. And that he will reward those who diligently yeah, seek yeah, him. That's right, yeah. And to me, I was like, that's for me, that's the fear of the Lord. Yeah. It's like playing by his rules, that's right. acknowledging what he says is yeah. true. And that's what I think Hebrews talks about. I think that's what Proverbs yeah. is talking about. It's that ultimate regard for what God uh, thinks about the way that I'm living. Yeah. And, and I think that it's who do you ultimately regard? And 
you know, the Proverbs calls us to uh, be most concerned. It's like, this is not just knowledge. This is, the, this is the beautiful and unique thing about biblical wisdom as opposed to, for example, Greek philosophical wisdom, which is all about knowledge and, mm. and logic. Hebrew wisdom, biblical wisdom, begins with the orientation of the heart, not just a really apt, a, 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 not an aptitude of the mind mm. and logic, but an orientation of the heart. And it's an orientation that has its ultimate regard for God and ultimately the fear of the Lord in the way that we have, uh, the way that we've described it. So I just find this idea beautiful that ultimately wisdom isn't about knowing a lot of stuff. It's not about being the smartest person. It's about being someone whose heart is attuned to the heart of God. Wisdom, the, the, the foundation of everything that we're going to be looking at in the book of Proverbs, we've just laid there. Hopefully that has been as helpful to you as it was to me when Matt and I had that discussion. We know you've got questions. As you go through the book of Proverbs, there's some really interesting passages. And when you get to those questions, we would love to hear from you. So you do that over at thrivetoday.net. You'll be able to send us questions directly from that. Find the links to all of our Facebook pages, our Facebook group, everything that we're doing there. And like I always say, as you're going through, please jot down those questions, get them to them. We love to hear from you, especially about this as we're chasing down wisdom and what it's all about. Well, until next week, on behalf of uh, Matt and the team behind Thrive, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Please share this with a friend and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive. Thrive.